137 PM's Live from the Bar Cart. A look into the style, culture, strength, and grind of the modern day man. All right, Nigel Barker, welcome to the 137 PM Live from the Bar Cart po- podcast. Thank you very much. My name is Brian Anthony Hernandez, and I'm your host today. You, of course, are a world famous photographer and TV personality who was a judge on 17 seasons of one of my favorite shows, America's Next Top Model. <laughs> Sounds like a very long time when you say it like that. <laughs> but also, that was over a decade because those cycles were one. That's not making me feel any better. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. You're right. You're right. And also a host of Oxygen's The Face and currently the host of Top Photographer, which That's is your right. new show. Thank you. So July is my birthday month. I'm turning 32. <laughs> Happy birthday. Once again, you're not making me feel any better about myself. I love this. <laughs> but I mentioned that. Break be- me down and build me up because this is the style. <laughs> but I mentioned that because when you started America's not Next Top Model, you were around 31 and 32. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. And at the time, that was a risky move for someone in fashion because... The industry really wasn't into some of the more commercial type stuff, especially television. Um, can you talk about how you landed that role and why it was risky? I mean, you know, it seems crazy to say it was risky now because obviously with hindsight, everyone is very excited to be on a television show. If one likes a reality TV show and it's been a great springboard for many, many people's careers. But back then, America's Next Top Model certainly was in its infancy. Reality television was brand new. And you know, the fashion industry was not something that was on prime time or was really a very commercial business. Yes, there were main high street brands which were involved in television and product placement, but that was relatively new. And I was someone who had, you know, was beginning a career in in, in fashion photography. I'd already worked as a model, as you mentioned, for um, almost a decade prior. And you certainly learn fast that being a sellout or being too commercial or doing any of those things were never a sort of a good thing. So reality television seemed like a, a risk. And, you know, it, it happened in a very organic way. I had been working with a guy called Nole Marin, who was also a judge on America's Next Top Model in the early seasons. And I had met uh, Jay Manuel. And after season one, they were looking for new photographers to shoot uh, just episodes of the new season. And I had watched season one. I mean, it was fun. For anyone in the fashion industry, we were all sort of secretly <laughs> loving um, this show, America's Next Top Model. And it was becoming fast a, a sort of a cult show within the business. And it was on a small network called UPN, which doesn't exist anymore. And it, you know, I thought, well, how much fun would it be to do an episode? I'd love to do that and it'd be really exciting and all the things Tyra was doing were really cool and unusual shoots and um, I auditioned and I remember there was a great friend of mine called Timothy Rukoff who is a stylist one of the best and I'd been working with him for several years already and he took me shopping and he, he picked out a pair of these red shoes they were Prada red leather Prada shoes in the window and said these are going to be perfect for you oh, wow. and I said to myself and I said to him, actually, I'm like, I don't think so. That's a little bit too crazy for me. I'm not sure about the red, you know, red leather. He's like, no, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be excellent. Think about it. This is television. They're going to see these shoes and they're going to think you're an outlandish character who's, who's got the guts to wear shoes like that. And I'm like, okay, you got a point. Um, we'll go for it. And, you know, and I, I remember I wore these shoes. Now, putting the shoes aside for a second, I did the interview. They put me on film and... They asked me to critique some things. They looked at my portfolios, my work, and they asked me what I would do and how I would do it. And as I was leaving, the uh, producers who were there, who had put me on film, said, oh, by the way, 
those are the best shoes we've ever seen. And I, and I remember just that comment and I'm like, okay. And then I didn't hear anything for about six weeks. And I thought, okay, it's not happening. Nothing's happening. And I got a call. Um, there was a call came through to my studio. They said, you know, there's multiple people from the network would like to speak to Nigel on a conference call. Can he come to the phone? And I was put through, patched through. And they said, listen, we really, really loved your interview. We would like to ask you whether you'd take on a more permanent role, position on the show, not just a photographer, but like a, you know, a judge um, who would be there throughout the entire season. And I sort of thought, well, okay, that's, that's a lot more than I thought I was going to do, but okay, wow, really? You want me? And, and of course you're flattered. And I, I had to really weigh it up for a moment because I had been doing a lot of great editorial work for magazines and I knew that people would think, okay, if you do this, you know, are, are you going to be made a mockery of it? Is it going to be overly silly or foolish? And I thought to myself, you know what? At the same time, this is up to you. you, you you're, you know, you, you're in control of your words. You're in control of the way you handle yourself on television. It's really up to you to, to, you know, to do those things or not. And I pretty much went in to, to be a sort of, sort of voice of reason, to be um, constructive with my criticism, and. Um, Whatever it is, it worked for me. But at the very end of that phone call, after I agreed to basically do the job and, and do season one, the producers all said, and by the way, can you please bring those red shoes to your first episode of America's Next Top Model? <laughs> did so you? I did. And I still own these shoes. All I right. still have them. And I don't wear them anymore, but they're there. And they're a sort of a, a sign of like a, a little risk that I took. Um, and, and I believed in a friend who helped me. And it paid off. And my life has sort of been full of little risks and mm -hmm. some bigger than others. Speaking of some of those earlier risks, um, what's the Nigel Barker origin story? Because we know you, like you said, you modeled um, in the late nine, late eighties before you got into photography in like the mid to late nineties. Um, where did that modeling start? Um, my mother, who had been a beauty queen in her time, she was a Miss Sri Lanka in nineteen sixty-seven or something like that, um, and had done a bit of modeling in England in in the UK when I was a child. Uh, I had sort of grown up with a model in the house, and so I was familiar with what that meant and what the, what the business was like. And it had really helped put my family on the you know on the, on the map, so to, so to speak, in the UK. Um, and, um, and when I was about seventeen, my mum entered me into a, to a television competition on a TV show called The Clothes Show, and this was one of the very first televised model searches ever, actually. Oh, wow. And it's somewhat ironic that I got my own break from a modeling competition on TV. Uh, then I would go on to be a judge on a show similar to that. But it was also part of the thing was that I actually had a very successful career as a model. And it was it was interesting. I mean, parents beware because, you know, my parents wanted me to go to medical school. I was bound for medical school. I had studied biology, chemistry, physics and math and advanced math. And that's what I was going to be doing. And I took a year off, a sabbatical year to do a bit of modeling because I was about to go into sort of seven to nine years of education again. And uh, thought, well, one, it'd be nice to see the world and two, maybe have a bit of money in my pocket. Um, and you know what? One year I did really well. So that led to two years. Two years of success. My parents were like, okay, now it's time to go to college. And I was like, well, actually, this fashion world is rather cool. And I've never seen anything like it. It was an eye opener for me. Uh, I was traveling the world. I was living in Milan. I was, you know, surrounded by extraordinary people. And um, it was very exciting and very fast. And I thought, well, 
why would I want to give this up and then go to medical school? <laughs> you know. Um, and when you say you were doing really well, you were doing really, really well. That was the era of the supermodels. And w- were you working with, who were you working with? I, I was working with a lot of the biggest names mm-hmm. on the map, whether it was Armani or Valentino mm-hmm. or Chanel. And um, I got to do a lot of those, the, the big jobs. And um, I, you know, I remember doing a show with Naomi Campbell and you know, uh, all the big girls, actually. It was for Chanel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lagerfeld was there and it was in Paris at the Louvre and you know and, and there were just these extraordinary moments and I remember working just more recently with Naomi again 20 years later and re- sort of reminding her of the show because it was a sort of a really major show in Paris and uh, it was one where we actually carried the models the supermodels on our shoulders as I, I was only one of four guys who got to do this show um, and, it, and it was all it was everybody you know it was Helena, Helena Christensen and Claudia Schiffer and Nadia Orman and all these big names Tatiana Petitz and what have you and it was just a sort of incredible moment and um, and just to watch I remember when Naomi walked for the first time and I when you're in the business you, you're not like now I'm a sort of I feel like I'm almost an expert of what happened because I remember and I was there but when you're in it you're not the expert you're just doing it it's just your job you know and I remember sort of not really thinking much about you know Naomi Campbell I thought wow she's an amazing she looks gorgeous and then she walked and it sounds ridiculous because we all walk but she doesn't just walk she sort of I don't know what she did. She sort of flew. I mean, she glided. She just, she shimmied. She she basically made walking into a new thing. And I had wow. never sort of, I had never really witnessed that before. And all of a sudden my jaw dropped. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know where I've been all my life, but this is something else. Um, took your breath away. She took a, and she's still, she's still the most extraordinary person. When you meet her now again, 20 years later, I met her again and we've been working together now. And more recently, rather, and, and she just has not changed. It is extraordinary. I just, I, I on the other hand, have looked completely different. <laughs> but um, w- w- she, what are know. you working on recently together that you saw? Well, her? it was The Face. So, the, yeah, you know, right. so two years of, of The Face, which uh, was her show. She executive produced it. Mm-hmm. And straight after I stopped America's Next Top Model, actually, it was a week later, I got the call from Oxygen and they, they hired me to be the host of The Face. Such a quick turnaround. I, luckily, I didn't miss a beat on that one. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to talk specifically about some of the shoots you've done. Um, not only the, the crazy ones you mentioned on America's Next Top Model, but maybe some of the other ones that are outside of modeling, maybe some of the more philanthropic uh, shoots you've done. Do you have any favorites in that, that sphere that you want to talk about? So many. I mean, I, I have been so lucky in many ways. You know, you get given a soapbox when you, you, know, you get some element or level of celebrity where people will listen to you and will, you know, put you on a podcast, put you on a TV <laughs> show, interview for this, for that, and ask you questions. And, you know, there's there's only so much talking of fashion and, and history and of, of fashion and the, the entertainment business that one really wants to do. But it's great that you can also, every now and then, get to, you know, direct the conversation in an area which interests you or is mm-hmm. really important or potentially life-changing. And we all have a desire for a legacy of some sort. We all want to see that potentially we've made a difference. I mean, what is life about if it's not to make a difference and, and to create a, a sort of a better environment for one and for all, right? Um, and you know, there aren't many ways to do that, really, other than obviously volunteering and helping and getting out there and actually putting feet on the ground and, and getting your hands dirty and getting a, being a part of it. Um, but as a photographer, we have the unique ability to shine a spotlight on an issue and a story without using words and that's very powerful i mean certainly we'd love to do it i mean i for me it's the most you know rewarding thing and 
I've now completed multiple documentaries. I've done two in Haiti. My first was called Haiti, A Hunger and Hope. And we went down in um, 2008, uh, right after the food riots, pre-earthquake, and uh, did a documentary on the history of Haiti and, you know, from the very founding of the country to where it is today. And, and then in 2012, we went and did another one post-earthquake. And that was uh, called Dreams Are Not Forgotten that won the uh, Film Heals Award at the Manhattan Film Festival. And, um, you know, that was very incredibly rewarding. And some of the photographs that I took during that process, I was mostly directing the commercial, I mean, the the videos, the documentaries. uh, But the actual photographs I took then as well, uh, some of them are the most moving pictures I'd ever taken because you... You, you know, you're, you know, one thing if you're photographing a model or a celebrity and they're there and there's a, an agenda, but when you're photographing a person who's been through, you know, something very difficult or very tough or life-changing, that message, that story um, is incredibly powerful and important to them. And it's an honor as a photographer to be able to capture that moment mm-hmm. or those moments or to bring that out of someone. And um, it's a very special relationship and, and very intimate and so those are the moments where you're taking a picture and you know that what you've just caught is the sort of thing that it could be life-changing. It's the sort of thing that could, you know, make people back home want to send money. Yep. Could people, you know, make people at home, you know, want to lobby Congress for to change legislation, which is exactly what's happened. I mean, we had, with my documentaries, we took one of the ones I did called... Um, uh, a sealed fate for the Humane Society. We went, we took that all around the world and actually lobbied the European Union and had uh, legislation changed in the EU for the very first time with the Humane Society of the United States and Humane Society International, where they stopped the import of seal um, pelts and the hunt of baby seals uh, for the first time in history. Um, wow. So, you know, things like that make you feel really good. Do you keep some of that work from all those efforts in your, like, hung in your house or? Where do you um, kind of look back on your life when you do some of this life-changing work for other people? You know, I've had ver- a lot of gallery exhibitions, and certainly my work is sold all over the world, mm-hmm. and people have it hanging in their houses and what have you. But I've never been one to hang my own work in my own in my house. Not much of it, anyway. And I say none because that's not true. Because I certainly have pictures of my kids and stuff yeah. like that on the fridge um, and all that kind of thing. But and, and then there's no doubt I have a dream in my mind at some point when I sort of decide that I want to start printing all my own stuff. But I, I'm one of those guys who prints things of my own and then I give it away. Oh, I you know it's, it's in the exhibition or something. But I, I like to give it away and. Um, I have other people's work in my house, you know, so that that's, I don't like, you know, one doesn't like to look at pictures of, them, of yourself <laughs> all the time or things you've done. It's, it's in my head and it's in other people's houses. Yeah. All right. You mentioned your family. So let's talk a little bit about them because I was looking at your Instagram bio and I love how it's, it's written because you list everything you do, photographer, filmmaker, TV personality, author, designer, creative director, dog pound OG. But then you end with husband and dad, comma, in reverse order. And it kind of shows the importance of the things in your life. Um, obviously, if you read that in reverse order, it's dad and husband. So right. uh, talk about your family a little bit. and like, Yeah, listen, I, I, I do absolutely believe that I, you know, obviously, as, as does almost every father, I would mm-hmm. imagine that family comes first and you do everything for them. And most of my philanthropic efforts actually happened when I started having children. And I don't know whether it was the the sort of 
alarm clock that goes off in your body that you realize you no longer need to be a selfish kid anymore and that you've got other people to look after and care for. Um, but it, there is a, a lot of that is, I think is actually true. I mean, you know, when you're a young boy, young man, oftentimes all you're thinking about is yourself and your own success and you get carried away with it and you can be in a city like New York and certainly I was involved in the fashion industry and it's so fast, so quick, it's so exciting and lots of money to be made and all these different things and you're like wrapped up with just building your own scenario and then all of a sudden you fall in love and you're like, oh, I gotta share part of myself to someone else now and then you start having children and it's like, Oh, wow, I've got to, I've got, you know, these other, but it's not got to anything. You just can't help it. I didn't know I had the capacity to fall in love multiple times, mm-hmm. which I did with my children. And, um, and then, of course, you start to see the same, what you see in your children and other, every child. And you realize that we have to make a world a better place. So my mission, and maybe that's just me, I think maybe some guys, most, a lot of people, I'm sure, feel that way from the get-go. But I'll be honest, I just, you know, I was swept up in a lot of things and, you know, and just enjoying life and kind of head in the, in the sand when it came to certain issues because they didn't suit me or they, they, you know, I was just doing my own thing and being a kid and enjoying life. And um, But then I, I realized, okay, you know what, I can make a difference and need to make a difference. And my family have been pivotal and I was very lucky because I met my wife very, very early on and uh, Chrissy and I have been together now for 25 years, uh, married for, it'll be 20 years next year. And, um, you know, we have two wonderful children, Jack and Jasmine, who are 12 and 9 and um, they are everything to us and, you know, and, and my family is everything to me. So I, I really, I do legitimately mean that, although it's, you know, social media and Instagram, it's not, it's not to be trite, but it, the reality is, is anyone who knows me that they come first and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then it's how any, any job or anything I do affects my life, affects them, affects whether I will do it or not. Yeah, we can definitely tell you're such a family man by your Instagram, but also how you uh, lift up what your wife's doing with her work as well on Twitter. So that's it's been cool to see. What, what, what is your wife doing right now? Well, you know, she, uh, she's first of all, she actually has and always has done um, helped manage my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I say this to people, but I, I, I don't do what I do without an incredible support team around me and you know half the time obviously it's you see me I'm the face of whatever I'm doing and I'm on interviews and I'm on television shows but it's never me alone it's always me with my wife and my team and everyone my wife is the one who who handles all of it and manages my family simultaneously and I can relax knowing that they're safe with her Um, but um, she has always been a dancer she's always been into yoga and she's done that since she was a kid and it was really when I guess after we'd had our second child and about sort of five years later she started getting back into her yoga and doing things for herself and I've always loved photographing her she's a beautiful woman she was a model her sister is her identical twin Um, I photographed both of them for 25 years so I built up quite an archive and they started getting into their yoga again and I started photographing them and it was actually I said to them one Christmas when they were doing yoga outside on the deck of in, down in, in Alabama, which is where my wife is from, and we have a place down there. We go and stay at every year. And um, and I, I was taking these pictures, and I put a couple on my Instagram. And, you know, my fans were crazy. They're like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is so amazing. You know, post more, post more. And I went, hmm, you know what, guys? Because uh, my wife and my, my sister-in-law only had their own private accounts with, a, you know, 20, 30 of their own friends. I mean, why don't you do a, a public account and I'll help launch it and it could be all to do with yoga. You guys love yoga. You're mothers. You've got five children between the two of you. 
you know, you, you know, the most solid people I know. You know, people need people like you. We, the world needs to know about people like you. I said, you know, this is great. And they were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm like, okay, let's try. And I, we launched their account, and within one hour, they had 5,000 followers. Wow. Um, and so, you and know, the, it went boom. And the photos I'm seeing on there are, like, those positions look like they're really hard to get into, but they're so aesthetically pleasing. Well, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. Anyone who knows anything about yoga, you know, it's obviously beautiful to look at and watch. Mm -hmm. Incredibly difficult to necessarily do. Um, but years and years of training, and these ladies, they do it all the time. I mean, it's not just... A, a an hour class once a day or even once or twice a week it's a way of life for them they've been doing it all their life but also and are trained in dance and everything else and my sister-in-law is a, is a ballet dance teacher as well um, but um, they are literally stretching and moving and in, in every way and shape or form all day it's just the way they are yeah. it's a sort of a you know it's almost like the, the, the culture it's built into the way they move um, and um but yeah, no, it's it's been my biggest pleasure and greatest sort of series of photographs I've ever photographed with them. And I, I think now just with their yoga pictures, I think I've photographed over 5,000 finished pictures of that alone. And wow. yes, there are multiple books waiting to happen. <laughs> and, and what's the name of the their Instagram account for people? It's called The Chin Twins. All right. Awesome. Yeah, go follow it if you're listening. Absolutely. You <laughs> won't be disappointed. Awesome. So on the way here, I was listening to uh, Taylor Swift's Reputation album because she's uh, coming on tour here in New York City this weekend. Um, you've sh done a photo shoot with her in the past. Can you talk about collaborating with her, what you did, and how it was meeting her? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've actually done a few photo shoots with her, and um, she's an amazing artist. She's someone who's very exciting to photograph, and it's you know there aren't that many people who are basically the the equivalent of you know a sort of a rock star pop star um and a sort of supermodel at the same time you know you get one or the other um or some people who would like to be both but aren't really and she actually is both at the same time and so that's really unusual which means you've got you know she's absolutely gorgeous to look at but simultaneously she knows how to move and she's got the confidence of a rock star so she mm -hmm. you know it's, it's really uh, an incredible kind of combination and one of the things that I got to do with her which was you know one of I feel like one of the most fun and most accomplished sort of for all round shoots that we ever did is that I, I had an endorsement deal with Sony at the time and of course she had one as well as, as long along with Justin Timberlake and Peyton Manning and um, and as the as obviously I was a part of the Sony f camera division at that point and um, they had uh, you know we, we were thinking of projects things that I could do and you know what I could shoot for them and I said look why don't I shoot Taylor for you guys and it was funny it was, it was me that suggested it it wasn't didn't come from their end and they were like oh yeah well that she's a part of the sort of the a different kind of uh, part of the endorsement I'm like no but it's all in the same family mm -hmm. and I'm like look why don't we you know, let's go and shoot her for the packaging of because that's what you have her for. I'll shoot the package. And it was very funny because we we talked ourselves into the job, although we had the job because we were endorsed by them. But it oftentimes that's what it what it takes. And actually, that punctuates really my career um, in in how I've handled most of the jobs that I've got. I don't ever wait around for people to hire me. I've always sort of really come up with concepts or ideas and pitched them on my own behalf and sort of said, look, this is what I want to do and this is what I think will be a good idea and this is why and this is how I'll do it and um, this is how, how I'll help promote it and, you know, and I'll be behind it 110%. And, um, and we, what we, we did with Taylor was actually um, 
we had a huge crew and we shot out in Los Angeles and we spent this full day of sort of right from early morning all the way through to sort of late in the evening and she did everything from you know just hanging out to um performing for us in a little private sort of concert moment and um we interviewed her we put her on we had you know multiple film you know cameras rolling shooting video film and what have you and we're driving with her when she was on the on the phone with her friends and this that we literally spent the day with her and out of that came a book um 60 page book um called eight hours um, with Taylor Swift and uh, it was just that it was an eight, that particular shoot was an eight hour day and we, we got enough foot, um, imagery and what have you to actually create a book a 60 page book so there are very few people who can create a 60 page book in a day and I don't mean by photographers I mean talent that you could have enough out of them to do that um, and it, she, it was it, you see her morph I mean she goes from this sort of angelic girl on a swing to rock star in you know in a room with the guitars and performing to sort of dancing to driving in her cars to you know hanging out in the gardens to having her lunch and chatting and talking it's a very interesting kind of almost like a diary kind of style and uh was amazing and i got to photograph her multiple times after that as well for mostly for sony that's awesome i love that you mentioned her model-esque nature because on the 1989 tour a few years ago she had the song style and she would always walk down the runway in this very like powerful strut very like trademark very tailor um and that's what popped in my head was like model like this is how like naomi would would uh command a room how tyra would command a room and it was absolutely she's definitely got the command of the room is that that's for sure no doubt about it cool cool all right so um we talked about some of your past but what's next? What's next for you? You have the second season of Top Photographer coming out for the un- uninitiated out there. What's that show about? And so, what's Top next Photographer for? was the first season of a show that I've been. I it was something I've always wanted to do, and, and certainly it's going to be reinvented um, in multiple different ways, you know, going forward. But it's really was pitting young photographers against one another. We cast through social media, through Instagram. In fact, we got over ten thousand people who um, entered the competition for um, the first season, which was way more than we thought and actually wading through 10,000 applicants is no joke um, you know when you each person sends a portfolio and you are like oh my goodness and so many are so are so great um, and you know there were, we made the mistake of you know the very first submission also required a video and now I think if we would do it again we'd say video would be the second part because when you're sent 10,000 videos uh, you can just imagine what your inbox yeah. looks like um, to say we, we you know we, we broke our services and understand statement um but it was amazing and it was a really fun fun first season and i partnered with adorama the camera store in new york and, and canon was our camera sponsor for that season and uh pro photo and all these great label you know names manfrotto and what have you from the photography business were all there and, and and supported us um but i've done a lot of interesting things and have some exciting things coming up i mean I've recently been working in shows, a lot more new shows, um, fashion-related in Europe uh, that we've been sort of trying out, hopefully bring over here to the U.S. and uh, sort of stay tuned on what those are going to be because it's, it's a very interesting marketplace. I mean, the fa- television has changed dramatically. So back in the day, obviously, Top Model was on the UPN, then it was on the CW, and now it's on VH1. Um, and, of course, all these digital platforms are really the new place to put content and mm-hmm. so it's a, you have to look at it in a different way and um, hence top photographer was for YouTube 
and we cast through social media. I mean, it was just a very different platform. And yeah. I was able to talk to people all over the world simultaneously about this show versus before with America's Next Top Model, it was just that. America's Next Top Model. America got it first. Everyone else had to wait, sometimes mm -hmm. a year, sometimes two, sometimes three or four years, if you can believe it, for a certain season. Um, versus now, where I do a show and everyone all around the world is streaming it simultaneously and watching it. And, you know, I've got people in the Philippines, people in Russia, people in Saudi Arabia, people in Africa, people in Europe. And wherever they are, they can watch the show if they tune in and they, they, they subscribe to the channel. And um, that was amazing. And, you know, we had people like... Uh, Wyclef Jean to um, uh, um, William Shatner uh, watching the show and tweeting about it. Oh. I mean, it was like you couldn't get a bigger range of people. And, you know, Coco Rocha was, was on the show and uh, the Johnsey brothers from Beautiful Destinations were also on the season. And, you know, we had it was a really, really fun, amazing experience. And uh, I look forward to doing more of that. And um, but, you know, I, I've always been very diverse and I've got more diverse as things have gone by. And, and now I'm, I'm very involved with there's a great gym in New York City that I helped found called the Dog Pound. And, um, you know, we have our first uh, place we built about a year and two years ago. It is now um, on Renwick Street in Soho. And it's doing incredibly well. And we're now looking to um, expand. And uh, that's something that I, you know, didn't ever think that I would be involved in gyms. Yeah. But it's, you know, it was a part of it was that I like to do things that I like, I'm interested in, that I have a passion for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I have always loved about when I first came to the U.S. was that, you know, when I lived in the U.K. and, and I lived in Europe and I was a model, people said, well, you'll, you can't become a photographer because you were a model. And it's sort of, you know, people will laugh at you or they say you can't do it. When I came to the US, I sort of met all these people who were great photographers who had been models. And no one said anything other than, oh, you want to do that? Go for it. If you try and you're good, we'll support you. You know, it had nothing to do with what I had done or should do. There was no sort of pigeonholing or sort of saying, you know, categorizing that you have to only do this because you did that. So... You know, I've kind of always loved that mantra and, and still to this day, I, if, I, if I'm interested in something, I'll try and go for it and apply myself and be as passionate about it as I can. And uh, two and a half years ago, I actually came out with my first furniture collection um, at a company with a company called Art Van, which is the, um, uh, the largest furniture re retailer in the US in the Midwest. And um, they've got over, I think, 60 stores now and, uh, and growing up to be about over 100 stores in the next two years. And um, my new collection, which is called the NB2 collection, um, I'll be shooting my new uh, catalog for that in beginning of August. And we do two collections a year. And uh, this has been my third collection with them. And it's been a really an inspiring and incredible thing to do. We've traveled to China. We've traveled to Europe with them, to with my design team. And um, the first collection, NB1, had over 214 SKUs, uh, wow. which is pieces and you know of furniture. So it's a real, very full collection. We have three bedrooms, three living rooms, three dining rooms. What's and, what's the style of it? What's how we're doing? Um, well, my NB1 was a global collection, which was sort of eclectic and bohemian. And NB2 is based on my New York apartment and my city living, and is a sort of more modern, uh, industrial and and um, minimalist kind of feel. And um, and it just is two sides of my life, and and it's that's what they're both doing incredibly well. And it's really been a treat because it's, I've always been someone who just loves to create and make and do. Um, it doesn't necessarily always have to be photography. And I think that was it. It was as a kid, I was into woodwork and metalwork and, um, you know, pot pottery and, and sculpture and, you know, just art in general. And um, 
I used to design and um, tailor and weave and mm-hmm. used to do everything from making the material to, to then cutting the pattern to sewing the suit and putting the whole thing together from scratch. And I made hats and, you know, did a whole bunch of things which were, I guess, were a background to where I was going, but I didn't know it then. Yeah. Um, and photography was just an, an element. And that's what I, you know, got the break in. And that's became what I became known for. But now I have the ability to sort of say, if I want to do something else, Let's try and do that. Mm-hmm. And that's been really fun. You've always had your hands in different lanes, a lifelong multi-hyphenate. <laughs> um, I want to go back to talking about how for Top Photographer, it's on YouTube, you cast through social media, because I feel like for a while, maybe we're past that phase now, uh, models and even photographers got a bad rap for being like Instagram models or Instagram photographers, but they're really good. And do you think we're past that point where there's that, criticism from just random people who aren't in the industry people love to criticize yeah it's very easy to criticize very easy to say this isn't right this is wrong or i don't like this but go out there and do it yourself right and i'm one of those people who actually think about it and when i walked into this studio just now the very first questions i was asked was do i shoot film and digital and it was this funny because i I only ever hear that from photographers. And it was the other photographer who asked me. And it's a thing in the photography industry where they sort of, and, and most people these days, of course, don't know anything about film because there, that's, there aren't film cameras unless you buy an old one. Mm. I grew up with film and spent 10 years only shooting film before digital was even invented. But when digital came out, um, I jumped at the opportunity. I've always jumped at the opportunity for change and for um, advancements and um and, and just to exper- experiment. You know, I find it exciting. That's not to say that I think necessarily one is better than the other. But there's no doubt that commercial photography, you were taking photographs, you were making, you know, had your negatives, and you were digitizing them anyway to put them in a magazine. Yeah. Um, so th- the concept of just skip, um, skipping the step of, of film made sense from that perspective to me. Um, if I was a fine art photographer and it was all about the print and then I was going to burn my negative and make that one print and that was it, then I'd get it. Um, otherwise, I was like, no, no, this is fine. And um, certainly there were a lot of hurdles and you know, we were guinea pigs as photographers in the early days. And I remember when Mamiya first created a digital camera and we used them on top model, they came over from Germany and we had the five only cameras from Mamiya in the country. And every single one broke except for the last one. And that was the Garden of Eden shoot. That was my very first shoot on top model. When we first, the very first shoot we used film on top model, prior to that, they were using a bit of um, film and scanning and all that kind of thing. Um, But um, no, I, I think that Instagram and social media in general has been the most amazing opportunity for so many people, uh, specifically when it comes to photography. And I say that because, you know, think about how lucky we all feel we are when we have access to pencils and pens and paper and we can write, we can draw, or books that we can read. And I've done a lot of work in poor countries and third world countries, and one of the big things you can give a child is a pen or a pencil. And I've brought bags and bucketfuls and, and you know suitcases full of pencils just to hand out pencils to children and because having a pencil allows a child to express themselves through word it allows themselves to draw and write and and express themselves through art and um, that's incredibly powerful for a child and for for all of us we don't really we take it for granted all we all do but I think that a camera being able to give someone a camera and say express yourself is, is another way and, and when I was a kid it was very expensive 
to become a photographer. And I got my first camera when I was 14. It was a brownie um, that shot 120 film. It was a Kodak brownie. It was a sort of monster of a box. And um, my mother bought it for me. It was secondhand. But I remember saving up my pocket money, buying the film, taking these pictures. You had 10 frames. You had to get it right. And you quickly learned that if you messed up, you just lost one-tenth of your, you know, for each frame, it was one-tenth of that of, of your cost. And, um, and then processing it, developing it, having it printed, each step cost money. So you didn't want to spend that money, uh, and you want to be very, very careful at it. Nowadays, of course, you give anyone a camera on a phone, and they take a picture. So what's happened with social media is it's sort of all of a sudden one billion people have been given a camera. It's like giving one billion people a pencil. It doesn't make them an author. It doesn't make them a writer. But it gives them a chance to appreciate other people's writing, and it gives them a, time, a chance to appreciate photography in a way that we've never seen before. And actually, of course, of course there is, there are many, many people out there with an incredible eye. And if you didn't give anyone a pencil, they'd never write, never draw. You mm-hmm. wouldn't know who the artists were. So they would just go through life and you wouldn't know that that person was actually a brilliant master artist in, you know, underneath that facade. But we, you know, we didn't stay cavemen. No, we, we managed to draw and paint and we expressed ourselves. And, and I feel that with photography, yes, there's a lot of people who sort of you know, poo-poo the photographers on Instagram. But I've firsthand seen people who are amazing. And actually on Top Photographer, it was funny when we had our contestants, finalists, um, several of which had sort of half a million followers and you know on, on social media um, when we asked them to use actual real cameras they didn't know how they oh. actually didn't know how they operate them at all they just were completely clueless as to even how to even hardly turn them on um, yet they took these stunning sensational photographs with their phones so you know, it's like a different type of pencil. You mm-hmm. know, is chalk worse than a pencil, worse than a paintbrush, worse than watercolor, but worse than oil color, worse than, you know what I mean? It's sort of, and I, and I just feel that way. I'm like, you know, there's the reason why we use big cameras isn't because they're necessarily better. It's because they produce bigger files so we can, you know, print larger format pictures because yeah. I'm shooting for a billboard versus a small screen on a phone. But it doesn't mean the eye isn't there. And that's really the magic. Mm-hmm. Social media has really helped uncover these I guess hidden talents so to speak those eyes that have never been seen because of either access like you said or f- financial burdens all those things yeah. all, all, all of the above and um you know, we've got brilliant people now we're discovering sort of in the outback in Australia in the sort of jungles and everywhere else. You name it, someone gets given a camera. I've got a friend of mine who's in Africa and I actually went to school with this guy and I had no idea that he was such a brilliant talent. And um, he his, his name is Ninian Lois, L-O-W-I-S, and he shoots photographs in Africa. And every single day I am blown away by this guy's photographs. I am literally like astounded. And, I, and I'm like, people don't know about you. And he's like, oh, I'm just doing my thing. I'm not really, you know, this isn't anything. I'm like, this is what I see. And I'm like, but you have an eye. And that's the thing. And it's, I, I, so I, I really appreciate in many respects what this can do for people. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions before we wrap up. Um, we have this cool series uh, called My Female Role Model um, that we do on Instagram. Um, so just quickly, who's your female role model in life? My, fem- my female role model in life, I would have to probably be my wife, actually. All right. And we talked about her earlier, so that's fantastic. Uh, who is the person you text the most? <laughs> wife again? <laughs> it's going to be a trifecta, probably. Yeah, wife. <laughs> All right. What app can't you live without? Um, actually, it's funny. I mean, it's probably either Instagram, but I, my favorite app for playing with photographs is Camera Plus. 
All right. So that's uh, it's camera, the word camera with a plus sign. Um, it's a great app. It's editing app, right? It's an what editing app, but you can also shoot in it. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a really a good one. It's all because it basically turns your your phones into a manual, totally manual, which I just like very quickly does that. So cool. And then, what are three life rules you live by? Um, the most important one probably is is believe in yourself. Um, I, I and the next one is is take risks, and um, and the other one is um, have compassion and for yourself actually. It's very easy to give yourself a hard time and to sort of, there's enough other people out there who'll tell you you can't do it. Don't be the one that tells you you can't do it. You know, and I've always been the one as much as I can to say, yes, you can. You can do this. You can do this. And um, even when it seemed incredibly daunting, terrifying even, and um, I've managed to live through it and get pop out the other end and every single time been stronger and, and felt better for it. And, uh, you know, and I say have confidence in yourself because there isn't a single day that goes by when people ask me to judge them or, or and judge their photo- photographs or tell them that they're worth it and tell them that they're good or give them critique. And I get it. I understand. And from a, you know, a mentoring standpoint, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you need to photograph or, or create art for yourself, not necessarily for an audience. And it's only then that you'll actually command respect, um, not just with yourself, but with the world at large. I love that. Those are three great life rules to live by. We have a lot of entrepreneurs and hustlers, people working really hard who listen to this podcast, and I think they're really going to take that to heart. So, Nigel, thanks so much for stopping by live from the bar cart. Thank you. And good luck with season two of Top Photographer. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is 1.37 p.m. If you want to own the future, start this minute. Live from the bar cart is a Gallery Media production.